Good morning everyone, shine, Jesus shine, let the land be filled with the Lord's glory. These are some words, aren't they? It's amazing words written by great writers of song and all praises rising um, to the God who saves us. That's what you've been singing. And thank you to Graham and the other young uh, leaders just for leading us in that this morning. I want to share with you a question that Jesus was asked one day by Peter. And it's a very audacious question. He was a very, very brave man. I'm not sure I'd be brave enough to ask this because he said to Jesus one day, end of Matthew's uh, Gospel, chapter 19, we have left everything to follow you. What will then be there for us? It's a brave question to ask Jesus. He's thinking about the future. What will there be? He's thinking about the kingdom of heaven. He's thinking about heaven. And this is against a previous story that Jesus told the disciples and the Pharisees watching on about a very good young man who had kept the law, a wealthy man, well respected, but Jesus said, you won't get into heaven. You need to give up your wealth. And Peter's standing there thinking, we've given up families, homes, our job, fishermen, poor working class people. What on earth are we going to get then? If this man's not going to make it, what is there in it for us? And Peter being Peter asks the, the straight blunt question. And, and the answer to this is amazing because it cuts to the very essence of what your faith is about. Faith in Jesus, church, the way you live your life. It cuts to the very core of it. It cuts to the chase. And Jesus does three things when he responds. The first thing is that he talks about rewards because it is primarily about rewards and we'll say quite a bit about that today but it's to do with salvation as well and he very quickly does three things he answers it using one line questions the first one line answer the first thing being there will be 100 times rewards if your bank offered you 100% tomorrow in your bank you would put as much of your savings in as you could and if you shared it with your neighbours it would hit Sky News that is an awesome a reward. Quite unthinkable. So the principle of what Jesus is saying, rewards will be amazing. Things to dream about. He then goes on and says, a bit of a conundrum here, we'll, we'll answer this today. He says, many will be last and many last will be first. You ever been in an airport queue to board a plane or at a supermarket and you're always in the group at the last of the queue. I always seem to be there. And others fast track to the beginning and everybody wants to get in the group at the beginning. So we're going to look at that answer as well. And it does it actually through then going on to uh, tell the Pharisees listening on and his disciples to the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And we're going to look at this this morning. And I'm going to read it to you. If you have a Bible, please feel free to follow and they will take uh, the messages from there. So we're reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. Just the first 11 verses, Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. 
So they went. He went out again about noon and then three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and still found others working, sorry, standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman man, Call the workers and I will give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired first, so those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, You have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. That takes a bit of thinking about it, doesn't it? The parable then, as you know, parables are picture stories. He's trying to paint the most simple picture he can about this uh, parable and this situation. The first process is that he hires the workers because out first thing in the morning, it's a great harvest season, the days are long, they are hot. Back of six, half six, seven in the morning, he hires workers and an agreement is made for the normal, usual pay that will be well known in the marketplace of these villages and towns as a denarius. They are happy and they go and work. Then goes out at nine in the morning, he needs more, there are still some workers there looking for work, and he pays them what he thinks is right. And these workers are happy with that. He then goes out at noon, three in the afternoon, five in the evening, and they also get paid what the worker says is right. Those who are hired first, that's a hiring process, a reward process then. What is the payment here? He calls the last workers first. Five o'clock in the evening they were hired. They've only worked a few hours. They're called first and he pays them a denarius. They must have been thinking, wow, what an employer we've got here. We've only worked a few hours and we're getting a denarius. A lot more than we expected. Those who came next were three in the afternoon, noon, nine in the morning, they also get a denarius. This looks good so far. The story's going to change because the workers who were hired first, they must have been rubbing their hands. They've been watching this scenario and they're thinking, this employer's going to give us three, four, five denarius. We've worked all day. We have been here first. The shock comes to them when they also get paid a denarius. They are not happy. And they start to grumble against 
the employer, the owner, remember, is a picture of God here. I should have said that at the beginning. Picture of God. The vineyard is a picture of believers. These are, this is a picture of the kingdom of God. They're all believers in this vineyard. And they start to complain, this is unjust. And from a human perspective, reading this through human eyes, this looks unfair. But we've got to remember, when we read the Bible, we're reading it through God's eyes. When you look at things in the world and you look at it through the world's eyes, if you want to look at it through God's eyes, he will turn the thing upside down and opposites will apply. God writes that in Isaiah 55, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are higher than your ways. So we've got to see this through God's eyes. So he pays everyone the same. You know, salvation's like that, we were singing that earlier. Salvation isn't a reward, it's a free gift. And today God wants to offer each one of us a free gift of salvation. And it's very different from a reward because you don't even have to do anything for it. Rewards of salvation are quite close in many ways, but in other ways are very different. Salvation is a free gift today. If God wants to give you, you don't need to do a thing. There's no actions needed other than repent of your sins and ask God into your life. That is awesome. Free gift. So what does the owner say? Here is the owner's response. I am not being unfair. It's a very good wage. Didn't you agree, one denarius, the first workers? I want to give to those who I hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have this, the right to do that with my money? Are you envious that I am being generous to those who started later? They were envious of the generosity of the owner. And what the first workers were wanting to do is break the agreement. Now we have agreements today in the workplace, contracts of employment. They would be horrified if the employer broke the agreement. You know, agreements often are heavily loaded for the workers' side, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't then go and break it. You've agreed it. So that was an issue they had in terms of the first workers. But they had a number of pitfalls. I'm going to go through them with you briefly this morning. They were very much getting bogged down into the length of service. We have worked longer, we've worked harder, it's been a long day, we've borne the brunt of the work. We should get the rewards. The rewards should be greater for us. You know, we need to remember that rewards, the rewards we'll get as believers in a day to come are not purely dependent on how long you work serving for the Lord. How long you have worked doesn't work that way. The owner paid all the workers the same because he wanted to see and wanted to show them how generous he was. Salvation is like that as well in terms of length of service. It's nothing to do with how long you have lived or how long you have served God. I've heard of many people who put their trust in God as an elderly person. In fact, I know of someone who put their trust in the, in the Lord in the last few weeks of their life. The thief of the cross did that. It's nothing to do with how long we live. You can do it now, no matter how young or how old you are. So salvation is given to us as a gift. And you know, rewards are the same. It's at God's discretion. God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God will decide how we will be rewarded and what your rewards will be. It's really nothing to do with us as such. We cannot be like these first workers and start to negotiate with God. I deserve more here. 
This is at God's grace and God's will. There's another key point. These first workers were trying to show that God is a debtor to them. God is no man's debtor. They thought the harder they worked, the more they deserved. They're putting God in a debt position to them. God owes them. God owes you nothing today. You know, God owes me nothing. No matter how hard I try, how good a person I am, we cannot put God into a debt situation. Let's give you some other examples. I think sometimes I've tried that, actually, to be honest with you. Think of a situation where you might decide to tithe more. I think I'll tithe more. And if I do that, God will be pleased with me. And I think God will be generous to me. Because I'm being good to God. I'm putting God in a debt situation. Placing God under an obligation doesn't work that way. You can do nothing to earn salvation. You can do nothing to merit your rewards as well. It's down to the grace and the love of God. And we'll come to that. And before we go on any further in these pitfalls, what is it about then? Because I do want to pick on this early. They had the wrong motives because rewards are primarily to do with motives. What's the key motive in your heart here? And we'll see in a few minutes is to serve the Lord with a spirit of love. We've got to love the Lord when we're serving Him. If we do, do not do that, you will rob yourself of rewards. I will rob myself of rewards. If we are driven for rewards and the desire to get something, you will never get them. If it's all about self. Ephesians 6 and 6 says that we should serve as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. We have got to work for the Lord from our heart, not from self or our head or ego. Another issue they had was pride. Look what we've done. We've worked a lot harder than these other people who came along. We've worked long here. They're proud of their situation. You know, it's God that takes the glory in our reward and in our lives. It's not ourselves. We should never be full of pride. And at times I think we are. I have been guilty and probably will be. It's part of our makeup. It's about me, pride, what I can do. It's about God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Same as rewards. Not by works. You cannot receive salvation by works. You cannot receive rewards by works that you do yourself either. And we'll see that as well. The works of the Lord It's not our works. The works of God. He will take the glory. Another pitfall they had was that they were judging themselves and comparing themselves with others. We're better than them. You know, the, the church down the road, this is a better church than down the road. We're better than them. And look what we do here. We're better workers. It's a dangerous road to get down. You know, comparing ourselves with other people. Another thing that they did was they were criticising the owner. You know, the owner has got it wrong. He's made a mistake. We deserve five denarius. People blame God today for all kind of things in their life. Remember the story of Jonah. He was reluctant, very talented preacher, reluctant to go to Nineveh. Many were um, believed in the word that Joseph proclaimed. He was angry with God. 
thought God had got it wrong. That's quite bizarre, isn't it? If this place was filled today with people, I think you would be pleased. He was angry. God's saving these people. God's got it wrong. I wonder where Jonah's rewards would be. We never quite know where Jonah finished at the end of his life. But think of Jeremiah. There was a man that loved the Lord. No one repented. No one was saved. His brothers, his family, his neighbor, the king, the government advisor, no one. Jeremiah was broken. I wonder where the rewards sit there. I don't think it's my place to comment on that. But it's an interesting question and thing to think about. What is there, What will there be for us? Was Peter's question. The other issue they had was a danger of contempt. They showed total contempt for these other workers. They had no concern, they had no interest, because some of these other workers were standing there in the very square most of the day. No other employer had come for them. They were left. May have been poorer than the first workers, needed bread for the table, for their families. No concern, total contempt. It's all about the first workers, me. I have to be first here. Remember the Jews showed terrible contempt to the Gentiles when the early Gentiles became believers. The Jews couldn't stomach it. Total contempt. Paul had huge issues in Corinth over this. You know, total contempt for these. You know, the Gentiles are becoming believers. This is for us, the Jews. Total contempt. Matthew 9 and 13, Jesus says, I have come to call not the righteous, but to call sinners. The employer welcomed everyone. This was the vineyard members of the kingdom of heaven, and the vineyard owner God was inviting all workers into his vineyard. He didn't discriminate on ethnic grouping, colour of skin, language we speak, rich, pure, he welcomed all into his vineyard. And God does that because God loves people. How many employers go out to the job centres today and knock your door and offer you work? This vineyard owner, God, went out to the marketplace and said to these people, come and I will give you work because they were poor, they were needy, they were hungry they were unemployed, they needed food they had families, they had children the other workers were not interested but God was after that has been said and done then let's cut to the chase here because that's what Peter was saying we have left everything to follow you what will be in it for us and first Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 8, the writer says, Each man will receive a reward according to his labour. So service is important. And our service will be tested in a day to come. It will be tested by fire. If it's wood or stubble, it will burn. If it's like precious gold, it will blast. So how do we serve? How do we know what to do? And how do we know the way to do it? That's the key question here. It's according to our labour. In Galatians, Paul writes that when we serve, we must serve God and others with a spirit of love from our heart, with love, with joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self 
control. And we do it for Christ's sake. These are not easy things to do. The answer to Peter's question, it was a tough question. The answer is quite tough actually. This is not easy to do. To do these things, we've got to strive and we need God's help to do it. Back to the, the person who becomes a Christian laterally, like the elderly person who's very infirm, can't come to church much, receives God into their life, how are they rewarded then? Can't come, can't do much in the community. But if that elderly person prays to God every day, loves the Lord, reads the scripture, leads to some teaching, premier prayers, or God channels, and is a good grandparent, a loving parent, that's it. <laughs> Isn't that that's it? It's from the heart, it's with love, it's not being, you know, being a worldwide evangelist per se, that is a great thing as well. That's what God wants, it's quite basic really. And so even the elderly person will be hugely rewarded. Are they going to be last or are they going to be first? I think they're going to be first. In fact, the danger is maybe for younger people who do have time in their life, time in their hands to serve God, and maybe don't do it and don't get the rewards. When I was a teenager, I was safe when I was 12. I did very little for the Lord as a teenager and up into my 20s. I did very little. And yet I had that time in my hands which I wasted. But yet here's an elderly person first. But thankfully since my 20s I've strived to serve the Lord as best I can. Let's look at some examples as well. Let's take Judas. One of the first disciples he was called. He was given a privileged position within that group as a treasurer. But greed was his undoing. Would he be first? I wouldn't think so. Last, possibly lost. But it looked initially through man's eyes, first. Jesus to the Pharisees, listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees. These are, they were observing this conversation. Matthew 21, 31-32 The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Tax collectors were, you know, looked down on so badly by the Jews. They were a scourge of that nation, collecting income on behalf of the Romans. And prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven before you. The last. They were the last in man's eyes. They would never make it, surely. Make it, they're going to be first. Because they repented and they believed. The Pharisees were not there yet. Come back to the rich young man again. He wasn't prepared to repent. It was all about status. I'm a good man. I keep the law. I'm a wealthy man. And in the Jewish culture of the time, that's what it was all about. Being a good person, looking the part, being very wealthy. He thought, I've made it. Kingdom of heaven. Here I come. Abraham was here. Isaac, Joseph. Jacob, there are many rich people in the kingdom of heaven, of course, but these men repented and they were God-fearing men and women. This rich young man did not do that, not prepared to repent. Wealth, of course, is a blessing, but not if it's all about wealth. The prodigal son, remember the prodigal son's brother? He would have been happier if the prodigal had stayed in the pagan country, been very successful... 
and his wealth accumulation paid back the father with inheritance but stayed lost in a pagan country last he looked last lost the father told that he became found he was lost but he was found because he came back and repented and the father threw a party he's first this came from lost to last to first <laughs> this is awesome stuff but where's the son, the other son he can't stomach this, he's out in the field in the huff it looked as though he was first it looks like he's last, he may be lost this is a heavy sermon to give, this is heavy I mean this is lost lost as you draw this to a close, what's the desirable situation then? What's the best place to be in your life? Where is the best place? What's the desirable place to be then? What to leave here today and make sure we get this right? In terms of salvation, accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour as soon as you can. All day long. <laughs> There's no debate about that one. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't, I mean, don't be like the thief on the cross per se. Try and do it as soon as you can. And if you've done that, that's great. Pray, praise the Lord for that. And start, start serving as soon as you can. <laughs> I'm not saying don't serve the Lord. Oh, no way. You'll be blessed. Well, a hundred times plus the rest. I can't put it into words how you will be blessed um, by serving the Lord. I'm sure many of you here will be that in that situation. Do it now. Serve the Lord. You know, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And if you do that and you serve the Lord from your heart with these points on the screen, are you lost? No way. Are you last? I can't see it. You've got to be first. You're in that group. You've got to be. Not because of you, but because of the Lord. You know, it was the Lord that turned the people in Nineveh to him. It wasn't Jonah. <laughs> Jonah couldn't save anyone. He didn't want to save them. I can't save anyone. You can't. But the Lord, because the Lord that saves, it's you, the Lord working through you. And if you um, rise to serving God, you will be blessed many times. I remember many years ago in a Glow Mission team in Malta and I spoke to this elderly retired Maltese police officer and he said I go to church every day and I said that's really good and then he said sometimes I go twice a day and I said that's even better. I said sometimes I go three times a day and I said it must be great knowing you've put your trust in God and you've got that certainty of eternal life. He said I don't have that. You know, we can do the wrong things in life as well. You know, I come to church every day and if I pray every day and I do this and I do that, if God's not in it, there will be no reward. God's got to be in it. And that's as the older I have got, that's one thing I keep saying to myself when I do something, Lord, are you in it? Because if you're not in it, I don't want to be in it. And there's some things I've turned down in my Christian life recently because I felt the Lord wasn't in it for me and there's nothing wrong with that you can't do everything, you're not superman you're not superwoman as I come to a close 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 about the rewards again here's what Paul writes no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has conceived of the things God has held and prepared in a place for you. Heaven is going to be an awesome place. 
But there are going to be surprises in heaven. Because sometimes we look at heaven through man's eyes. We know you're a good person. We'll be in heaven. We'll be first. I think there'll be a lot of surprises in heaven. They're esteemed, respected, they're looked well on by man. If God's not in it, God will look upon them in a frown way like the Pharisees. Don't get caught up in the world's values. Don't get caught up on the world's ways of doing things. Look at things from God's values, through God's eyes, and that way you'll get the rewards. What will there be in it for us? That's a good question. The rewards will be awesome. If you serve the Lord and you love Him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul with these fruits of the Spirit, you won't be lost, you won't be last, you'll be in the first group you've got to be. And that must be a huge motivation for you to serve Lord, serve the Lord, because you don't know when your days will be brought to an end in serving. You don't know, it could be ill health, it could be all kinds of things can bring your service to an end. Do it now, now is the time to do it. Ask Christ into your life now, and you'll be rewarded hugely. Let's pray before we finally sing our final hymn. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for this little message again. We thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us, Lord. We are so undeserving. You're a lovely God. You're a wonderful God. And yet it's amazing that you want to come into our lives. You want to save us. You want to dwell in our lives. In spite of us being so highly flawed in many ways. A bit like Peter at times. We say the wrong things and walk out of step. But you love us, Lord. And you just want us in return to love you to serve you with all our heart with all our mind with all our soul and that day Lord we will be first in a day to come and we don't say that boastfully but humbly Lord we just praise your name for it what a future we have what an eternity thank you for Jesus thank you for rewards that we'll get in a day to come thank you for the cross thank you for these Lovely hymns of Sanctuary. Bless this place, Lord, for today and for this week. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.